Three, two, one. John, are we live? I hope so, my man. Well, I can't tell if we're live or not, but hey, everybody. A um, little bit of a different wheelhouse feel today. I'm sitting at home in front of my home bar here with a sling on while John is in studio. And uh, we wanted to do a show. I had shoulder surgery on Friday. Ended up being kind of a uh, crappy surgery. I had a uh, stage three out of four uh, tear in my labrum. So uh, almost about as bad as it gets in a labrum tear. When they went in, they realized that my uh, rotator cuff also had some fraying. So I got a two-for-one special surgery. They fixed up my rotator cuff as well. So I've been, uh, uh, I won't be able to show you guys this, but I have a recliner I've been sleeping in every night. <laughs> and uh, every 30 minutes or so, I sit on an ice and compression machine. Um, and then all the rest of the time, I've, I've been in a sling. I got some pretty cool uh, war wounds. The uh, nurse missed my, uh, missed my vein here and uh, bruised up my uh, yeah, forearm pretty flexing. good. Keep and flexing. then uh, my bicep, which I can't show you because I'm in a sling, it's pretty nicely bruised as well, but uh, adjusting to being a one-armed man for a little while. <laughs> so all that being said, and that's quite a bit, I'm not discounting that, of course, but uh, now that you're a few days out, how are you feeling? Uh, I mean, I feel okay. Today's the first day I'm off my Norco, which is the painkiller. I'm going to try to get in the office and do a little bit of work tomorrow, so I wanted to get off the painkiller. Sure. Um, some people love this painkiller. I freaking hate it. I think it sucks. It uh, makes you drowsy, uh, really upsets your stomach pretty bad. So I've been trying to get off it the last few days. And uh, I'm in pain, but uh, I expected this amount of pain, so I'm sure. not uh, not too bad. I can't tell yet. My first uh, follow-up visit's on Tuesday. I can't tell how much I've progressed. Um, from my elbow down, I can use my hand pretty well now. Um, I'm obviously not able to move my shoulder at all, but they've told me not to move it because – Basically, what they do is they drill um, into your shoulder and then they reattach the uh, labrum with stitches. So if you do a lot of movement in your shoulder, what ends up happening is um, you tear you tear the stitches back out. So right. I basically kept this pretty close to uh, my body. Uh, putting contacts in one-handed with your not-dominant hand has been a challenge. So I got that worked out because my glasses give me headaches. Uh, but yeah, overall, not too bad. Um, okay. I got a couple shout-outs that uh, if you want me to give some shout-outs, then you can give yours. Sure. Uh, my shout-outs, obviously, my doctor, Dr. Sklamberg, uh, total rock star. When I went to him in a couple seconds, he was able to tell me that he thinks it was my labrum, did an awesome surgery. Uh, my dad, who's a doctor, was there, and he's like, yeah, the surgery was a pretty big one, and he did a really, really nice job. So shout-out to him uh, and his staff. They're freaking awesome. He, he's a rock star. Um, you know, my dad obviously took the day off to come. My mom came to the hospital, uh, biggest shout out to my mom who, um, against my best wishes, uh, I don't want her to have to stay with me every night. She's basically been here every single night. She refuses to leave. So the middle of the night sleeping on a recliner is kind of tough and I got to re re up my ice machine. She's been, she's been a perfect mom and taking care of me. So I know she watches the show. So thanks mom. My friends, uh, uh, John and Sean, Lindsay's been here, you know, they've been here, they've brought me dinner and hung out and taking good care of me. So I've had some good friends and people cool. at work covering for me. So shout out to everybody taking care of me. I hate, you know me, obviously, you know me well enough and shout out to you for covering wheelhouse for me sure. and, and the clips that you have coming up. I hate sitting at home. It's driving me freaking off the <laughs> wall. I think the worst part of this isn't really the pain. It's the sitting around with nothing to really do, which yeah. drives me ape shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's driving me crazy. I can't wait. I drove today to a foot appointment. I had a foot, I had a foot operation last week. A lot of people didn't know about. Man. I drove myself today to uh, the doctor, and I was so happy to just drive a car and get the hell out of the house. <laughs> well, you seem in good spirits overall. Yeah. I mean, you, you went through a lot, and uh, I know you're, even though you described it, you're still kind of downplaying it. Uh, you sent me some pictures and such. It was you had a lot done and it was between yeah. the foot, but then the shoulder, which is, you know, you knew that was going to be painful, but uh, good for you, man. I, I'm glad that you're in such good spirits and things seem to be progressing uh, pretty well. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you work out all the time and you keep, you keep yourself in pretty good shape. So uh, 
I'm a big believer that that helps in recovery. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's good to see you're smiling and laughing a little bit. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're, you're in one of these situations where what the hell can you do? Right. Like you're, right. you're just, there, there's nothing you can do. I, I always say like, you can't, uh, you can't cry about this sort of thing. No. Um, it's, it is what it is. I knew it's going to suck and it sucks, but I expected the pain and, uh, I'm just glad that modern medicine is awesome enough that they can go in there, fix your shoulder up, and then uh, I have cool things like this. Uh, for anybody who gets any surgery, I, apparently you can do this for your foot, your shoulder, your arm, anything. It's called a game-ready ice machine. It's like an ice in a compression machine. It's a lifesaver. They gave me this little ice machine. I can probably take a picture of it and post it at the hospital. It's like this cool jet machine, which was okay. And then I rented this game-ready machine. Shout out to Matt Nisat who uh, had the same surgery done and told me I got to get the game ready machine. This thing's freaking awesome. It just covers your shoulder, mm -hmm. uh, gives you ice and uh, compression thirty minutes at a time. Wow, um, nice. it's freaking it's awesome. We have like twenty bags of ice at my house, but uh, uh, it's definitely the best thing. Brad just uh, commented he loves the shirt. Uh, it's hard to put shirts on, so I'm in a t-shirt. This is my racing team, round three racing. <laughs> Shout out to them. Brad, I always tease Brad all the time that I want a medium shirt because I like my shirts tight. So these mm. large shirts really kind of came uh, came in handy this week uh, when I was able to actually finally dress myself in something other than a hospital gown. Uh, <laughs> back here, we the all shirt. thank you. We all thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's hard to. It's a life lesson. You can't. Shit happens, and if you're in shitty spirits about it, that. Yeah doesn't work well. My mom said yesterday, I think she's like, you're like the most upbeat patient ever. And I'm like, I, I can't sit here and be miserable and make everybody around me miserable just because right. I'm in pain. Right. The pain's going to be there. And I have to deal with this for the next, I don't know, eight to 12 weeks. And they said, I can't lift weights for six months, which was kind of really? the saddest part for me was the damage was bad enough that for about six months, I'm not going to be able to lift any weights. Wow. All right. Other stuff, swim, run. Yeah, I just I back to racing. We have a national championship in February, so I told the doctor all I got to do is make sure um, by February I can actually shift the race car, and then I'll be happy. Um, I'm gonna get a Peloton, I think, in the next few weeks. I'm gonna wait till Black Friday, mm -hmm. and uh, my legs work fine, so I'll just get on an exercise bike and uh, hopefully go. try to shed some weight. Because uh, when you sit around, this is like a big health thing. You know, even when you're not working out, just by nature of like being out, going to work, mm -hmm. driving your car, getting out of your car, moving around, you lose some weight. You're burning some calories. In the last five days, I haven't been eating any different than I normally do, but I've gained seven or eight pounds yeah. because I literally just sit on a couch and I'm, I'm feeling kind of shitty. So I'm really tapering my diet down now because I don't feel good. Um, so I got to get some fitness going. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well. Shout out to your doctors and everybody you said that was, I'm glad that everything went as well as it did. And, uh, we look forward to, you know, having you back here next Wednesday, of course. So I'm excited for next Wednesday. It's going to, yep. we'll talk about it at the end of the show. It'll be a double whammy, but I'll definitely be in studio next Wednesday. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, any shout outs from you? Yeah, I've got two actually. I've got one, uh, took place at the hot chocolate 15 K. Uh, Chicago Police SWAT Sergeant Michael Nowacki. You might have already heard about this. I'm not sure. Um, he was he ran the 15K in full SWAT gear, so it's about 50 pounds worth of gear, busting out the nine and a half miles. And as he's coming up towards the finish line, there was a woman uh, in front of him, a little bit in front of him, who had collapsed, cardiac arrest. Wow. So he was also as well as a SWAT sergeant, he is a paramedic. So he and a fireman from uh, Indiana uh, gave her CPR, chest compressions, everything that was necessary. Uh, and she's going to make a full recovery. So when the ambulance finally got to the scene, uh, the EMTs took over. He then, after that, after helping to save this woman's life, got up ran the rest of the run, which was very short. Uh, but while he was doing all of this, he had put out a call. He had his uh, radio with him. 
he put out a call, and his girlfriend, who is a, uh, a Chicago police officer who was working the detail for the 15K as security, heard the, heard the call. She was right by the finish line. When he got done, uh, finished the 15K, he then got down on one knee and proposed to her. Oh, wow. Yeah, he had planned that. He, you know, 15K, full SWAT gear. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to save somebody's life and then run another half a mile and propose to my girlfriend. That was a pretty freaking awesome day. That is <laughs> an event, event-filled event uh, wow, 15K right? right? Yeah, right. but uh, shout out to him for stopping and saving someone's life. It's crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. I saw, just, I saw Maggie did the uh, 15K. I was just going to say uh, my second shout out. And the reason I know all about this and she's going to kill me for doing this. I'm putting a picture up. You'll see in a minute. Um, Maggie ran the 15 K. She completed it without uh, stopping at all. And she came in under her uh, time that she had allotted herself. She did it in uh, an hour 51. She wanted to come in under two hours, which is a big deal. And uh, yeah, she knocked it out of the park. Killer. Congratulations to her. Shout out to her. I know she was training for that. Nine miles is a long way. Yeah. Uh, So that was so when we got together naturally later that day, uh, she was so happy that she had done it and done well. But she was very upset. She didn't know what had happened with this lady. She saw the whole incident, uh, but she didn't know how everything come out for this lady who had collapsed. And uh, she saw a blurb on her TV and sent it to me saying the lady was fine and sent me the, the police officer, the SWAT sergeant's uh, name. So I looked them up, and that's the shout-outs. Very cool. Yeah. Shout-out so, shout to her for doing that. Absolutely. You're going to have to run it with her next year. Uh, no, I'll uh, – <laughs> Uh, I will, if you will. We'll just put I'll that run, out there. I'll run it. All I'll, right. I'll run it. All right. I like challenges. I like challenges. We'll have to put something on the line, though, to make it a little more interesting. Uh, so now we got all that out of the way, uh, all your, you know, your medical updates and such. Uh, last week, last Tuesday, I had a gentleman in studio named Dennis Rodkin. He is a... Uh, Real estate reporter, residential real estate reporter uh, for Crane Chicago Business. And I was able to uh, capture everything and then edit out some clips. I put one out uh, last week just just to let everybody know about Dennis. Great guy, super fun, uh, great personality, but a, uh, an expert in real estate. He's been, he's been reporting on it for 28 years, I think. Uh, so I sent you the clips so that you could take a look and uh, we could discuss them because you too live and breathe real estate. You know the, the market inside out. And I'm interested to hear what you have to say about uh, what Dennis has to say. And uh, this first clip, we were talking actually about the state of the real estate market in Chicago. So I'm going to run the clip for everybody and then I'm going to come back to you and get your thoughts on it. Okay. Cool. In a minute. We have a very weak real estate market, r- residential real estate market in Chicago. And what do you, what do you feel is leaning on that? Well, there are a couple of things. Um, we have among the highest property taxes in America. Mm-hmm. We have the fear of further property tax increases, both in Chicago and in other areas, because of the pension problems and other financial problems in the city and state. Right. Um, we also have population loss. All of these are connected to one another. Mm-hmm. Population loss obviously diminishes the demand for homes. Another thing we have is, and this is true in most cities, is we have a big move from living in big suburban mansions to living in downtown condos. Mm -hmm. And that has hit places like Lake Forest and Burr Ridge, Hinsdale, really hard. Um, So those are just a few of them there. We could go on for an hour just on this topic. So we are back. And Dennis's take on the Chicago real estate market is that it's kind of weak. And he listed some reasons as to why. Uh, so that being said, I, I'd be interested to hear what you had to say about uh, the state of the real estate market, the residential real estate market here in Chicago. Yeah, so um, 
it would have been fun to be in studio and actually have this conversation with him in person um, because I would have had some follow-up questions for him. Um, I tend to disagree with him on this first one. I think um, terming the real estate market in Chicago as weak to me um, isn't necessarily the correct way to uh, define it. Mm. Um, I can understand it being a cooling market, you know, and that may be what he was getting at. Um, when, when somebody says something is weak, I'd like to know in comparison to what, to what metric really. So mm. when you look at uh, Chicago, I like to compare Chicago to some big city. So you look at New York, San Francisco, maybe even Miami or L.A., and then you want to try to compare it to something that's similar. I think Chicago is dramatically undervalued compared to some big cities. You know, if you go to San Francisco, the price of square foot is really high. L.A., New York is astronomical. And Chicago has a lot of value. Now, there are a lot of metrics that are scary in Chicago. So the rising property taxes, which I know you guys spoke about. You know, the rising cost of living, people moving out of Chicago potentially. And there's no secret that's happening. But Chicago also has an influx of a lot of big corporations. So we're seeing this kind of mini tech boom in Chicago, which is happening. And, and it's, in my opinion, a really cool thing to see happen because you see areas like Silicon Valley, you see San Francisco. Those areas had such a big boom because of the tech world. And Chicago is becoming kind of a secondary, maybe even a third, uh, if you count New York, kind of tech market. And I think that there is a lot of value for living in Chicago when it comes to a big city. Um, do I think it's cooling compared to where it was? So obviously everybody knows from 2008 through 12, there was a big downturn in the market. Right. There's no secrets that happened. 2013, the market took off like a rocket. Sure. 2014, 15, 16, it happened too. And I think in 17 and 18 and 19, it's starting to cool a little bit, but every market has to do that. It may even correct itself a little bit and cool off and drop values a little bit. You're seeing that in the luxury market now. So stuff that's $500,000, $700,000, million, $2 million. It's cooling a bit. But every market that goes up has to come down a little. I don't think it's a weak market. I think that it's a correcting market. Mm. Um, so I think it's uh, – I would have loved to have had this conversation with him because I think we would have probably ended up being eye-to-eye -eye if I asked him what he's, what he's using to find the word weak. You know, Is it in comparison to a big city? Is it in comparison to um, you know, how Chicago was – in the last two years or last three years. Yeah, it's definitely a weak growth compared to the last three, four, five years when we've been booming. So I would have maybe liked to elaborate that with him and it would be cool to have him back at some point when we have sure. a live show so I can have these communications. But I don't think it's a weak market. I think it's a strong market in comparison to other large cities. Uh, but I can see where he may have been using that word depending on what his definition of weak was. Understand. Okay. Very good. Uh, so the second clip that we're going to roll out for everybody here, along the same lines, we were talking um, about some of the different reasons, taxes and cost of living and such that you just mentioned, uh, what drives real estate markets in general. Sure. But I touched on something that I know we've talked before about uh, off air as well as on air. And I asked him, I asked him a question. He, he chuckled and then answered, I'm going to roll it out and then we can come back to it and, and have that conversation. Now going to roll it cool. out. Perfect. What you do and what you write about and what you cover and politics and taxes, they all hold each other's hands. Yeah. Basically. So when you are, uh, writing about and talking about real estate, just like I did. You cross that line real yeah. quick. Uh, in your coverage, have you seen, I was born and raised here, so this has been an ongoing, seems like forever, since I can remember, uh, property taxes and, and that balance. Is there anything that you know of that is being cut back to instead of uh, no <laughs> no the answer is no I mean that's one of the problems is that um, you know this is this is what's going on in the teacher strike and everywhere else is mm. what do you cut this right. this is a, I mean no first of all I should say I generally don't cover the political side of these things right um, there are other people on the staff who cover the politics and sure. cover them really well 
what I do sort of feathers out into it, and we always sort of are careful, you know, mm -hmm. this is actually just over the line, so you should do it. It's just on my side of the line, so I should do it. Um, I tend to cover the real estate market, buying and selling, um, but property taxes figure in. But no, I mean, have we seen cuts? Not really. I, I can't remember the last time no. and uh, <laughs> anything was said about a cut. If you watch my Twitter feed, when I um, write about some of these problems with home sales, one of the things you often hear, I'm not going to take a side, but you often mm -hmm. hear that's because Chicago and Illinois have been ruled by Democrats for a long time. Correct. I'm not taking a stand on that nope. point, but saying that it, it does feel to a lot of people as if, Nothing's been cut over the course of years, and spending just increases. Whether that's true is probably for somebody else to measure. So, budget cuts. Everybody wants more money, and I understand that. But money comes from taxes, and taxes have to keep going up. But there never seems to be uh, any line items that are, are just readied out. And... I asked him, I thought perhaps, you know, I watch the news quite a bit, as you, you know, and uh, I always look for the brighter side of things, but it's always just, we have to raise revenue, we have to raise revenue, and some of the things that's being talked about to raise revenue, it's, you know, it's really going to hurt Uber drivers and Lyft drivers, they're looking at a new, enter new entertainment tax. Uh, hotels and stuff, and it just keeps going on and on and on. And none of the problems from the previous tax hike or the tax hike before that or before that ever seem to get fixed. It's just new problems. So the old tax hikes keep going towards fixing problems that never get fixed, and new tax hikes for new problems. I, where, yeah. where do you stand on that? I, I mean, I agree with him and you. Um, it's starting to get almost ridiculous. And I always make this joke. I don't think the city or the state has an income problem. They have a spending problem. They're just Ooh. like myself. It's a spending problem, <laughs> uh, you know? Um, and it's irresponsible spending. I mean, you can tax and tax and tax till the cows come home. And, and, and that's what we're starting to do now. Mm -hmm. But at some point, if you're not getting spending under control and irresponsible spending, um, we're just never going to be able to bridge that gap. And it's not just bridging that gap into being profitable. We're just not chipping away at the deficit at all. I mean, it, it's almost becoming laughable to the point that um, set aside how it affects the real estate market. It sucks to start to have a feeling of, I don't love being in my city anymore because of this stuff like that pride of your, um, uh, pride of uh, your town, pride of living in an area starts to go away when it becomes almost unfair and unconscionable. And yeah, you know, starting to, it's like you're taxed every which way. You have an income tax, federal income tax, you have a state income tax, you have a property tax, you have a sales tax, you have a water tax, you have a gas tax. It, I mean, it, it just, it goes on and on and on yep. and on. Now, I think you alluded to the ride share tax. It's like, yep. well, people are trying to use ride share more because parking went up. Mm -hmm. You know, everywhere, you know, when we park outside the studios at um, Wheelhouse, you know, it's costing me 15 to 20 bucks to be there for three to four hours just yeah. to park on the street. And, you know, somebody who lives in the city might say, OK, this makes no sense to either have a car or, you know, to uh, drive my car around. So let me ride here. Well, now you're going to hit them with that okay. as well. Yeah. It's um, at some point it's going to become unconscionable. Actually, the only thing that I've actually seen the state. Um, reduce the cost of is filing LLCs, which is, and I'm sure there's a handful of things, but the cost of owning a corporation now has reduced itself in the last few years. So for, we joke in the office, it's the first thing we've ever seen get reduced from a cost standpoint. And I'm sure they make it up somewhere else. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unconscionable. It's getting silly. And it really is going to take a real look into the spending problem we have, not really the um the income problem the city makes a lot of money the state wow. makes a lot of money and we're taxed to the gills in every which way it's a spending issue and um i don't know if the new mayor is going to have it right when it comes to the city of chicago i watched um about 10 to 15 minutes of her budget plan mm -hmm. parts of it i thought were um 
how do I say fashion forward and, and, and <laughs> walk out parts of it. I was like, well, you're just, you're doing the same thing. Everybody else said you're taxing and you're not really cutting the spending where spending needs to be cut. So one thing, well, one of the things that I saw when it comes to real estate and uh, we were talking about real estate taxes and hikes and such is there's now going to be a real estate transfer fee. So uh, I believe it's the, whoever is doing the selling, uh, let's say hundred thousand just for a round number, they're going to be paying an extra half to a full percent in fees as a transfer fee, which is just the same thing to me is it's, you already it's have them in Chicago. So, so, so city of Chicago, yeah. So, so this has been kind of, so right now, if you're, even if you're a purchaser in the city of Chicago, yeah. it's $7 and 50 cents for every thousand dollars you spend is the city, state, county tax. Okay. We call it the welcome to Chicago tax. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you buy one house in Chicago, two houses in Chicago, three houses or a hundred houses. Every time in Chicago, every time you buy, you have to pay that. Sellers also have to pay a, a tax. But it's it's getting outrageous because that's already a outrageous number. So a lot of times when somebody's buying a house right now and uh, they use a low down payment option or they get a credit back at closing, we can right. minimize their down payment pretty dramatically so that it makes sense for them to become a home purchaser. But when you're charging them another $7.50 for every $1,000 of home they're buying to – live in the city of Chicago, that, that's yeah. outrageous. It's, uh, and the problem becomes when Chicago and Cook County do something, it almost becomes a monkey see, monkey do with collar counties as well. Yeah. So it affects a lot of uh, collar counties. Right now, Cook County property taxes went up. So you're seeing them go up in DuPage. Lake County, um, nobody really talks about this in Cook County. Lake County's property taxes are worse than ours by, by a large margin. Um, but they're going up everybody's property taxes are going up and nobody's cutting the spending. Uh, our, our law firm, we, we appeal property taxes. Tim in my office is a rock star doing this and we get so many calls and we feel awful. I mean, it's, it's uh, my personal property taxes in the house I'm sitting in right now. Mm -hmm. They went up a dramatic amount. They went up about 13, 14%. Wow. <laughs> it's getting killed. Yeah. And uh, what really sucks now too, is if you're paying more than $10,000 a year in property taxes, that's all you can write off. So before you were able to write off the whole property okay. tax, yeah. you know, and in Lake County and parts of McHenry and DuPage, which have very high property tax rates, you could be owning a $250,000 house and you're paying more than $10,000 a year in property taxes. That really stinks. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, going back to the parking, and I know we talk about this and, and you made mention, so the, we're paying for parking outside roughly 20 bucks per car, let's say, uh, just to be here on Wednesdays. And those cars are sitting on streets that were paid for by taxes. So it, it just, it, all you're doing is lumping on. And we to, pay, and we pay a city sticker oh, so yeah. that we be in the city yeah. and have that car. Yeah. And when you buy a car in the city of Chicago, you got to pay the sales taxes on the car that you bought for the city of Chicago. Yep. Yay. All right. Oh, one more, one more thing. And this is yeah, a bone I have to pick with Illinois. This one really Please. pisses me off as a car guy. And I've seen a lot of articles shared. So starting on January 1st, if you purchase a car, mm -hmm. uh, if, if you bought a car and you're trading your car in used, mm -hmm. what used to happen is let's say you're, uh, you're buying a $60,000 car and you're trading in a $40,000 car. Okay. You would only pay taxes on the difference. So you'd get a $40,000 credit on your taxes on your trade-in. So you'd pay taxes on 20 grand. Right. That starting January 1st has now gone away. The maximum credit you can get is the value of a $10,000 car. So if you trade in a $50,000 car and a $70,000 car, it's like you're trading in a $10,000 car. So not only wow. are you taxed you, not only are you taxed when you buy it used, you also don't get the tax trade benefit anymore in the city of Illinois. So used car dealers are really going to be hit hard. And this whole car market of people trading in cars right. is really going to take a huge hit in the yeah. uh, state of Illinois because people are going to say, well, F that. We don't want to trade our cars in anymore. We'll just go sell them private party mm -hmm. because we don't necessarily get the tax trade benefit that made the difference of um, the lower amount you would take sure. for a traded value. So that's a really stupid tax. And uh, it's really going to hurt small business owners. And I have a couple friends of mine that are car dealers, small business owners, it's really going to mess them up. Illinois is, uh, they're basically triple taxing you on a car purchase. Wow. That's effed up. 
Yeah, that is. I didn't know about that one. I didn't know about, well, things we already just covered. But uh, yeah, that's that's. Gonna so if you're gonna trade, if you're gonna trade in a car, and you're thinking it. of trading in a car, do it now before January first. Yeah. Um, if you have a car that's more than ten thousand dollars, because you don't get the full trade-in benefit after. And that. that's statewide. It's a state state, state tax. It's yeah. a state. It's a state tax. Damn. All right. Yep. Uh, we got one more. Cool. Uh, segment here, where. Uh, there's a particular neighborhood that I really like, and we talked a little bit about that, but also some of the, some of the different neighborhoods uh, around the city, and uh, got some thoughts on, on different areas as far as price points from Dennis. And again, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Here we go. Yep. Roscoe Village. Uh huh. I just, I don't know what it is about Roscoe Village. I just love it. It's there's, uh, it's. It's quite, well, it feels like a village, right? I mean, it really does. does. That's one of those, they used to say Chicago's a city of neighborhoods. Yeah. And they were these ethnic enclaves, all sort of, and yeah. this, while not an ethnic enclave, does yeah. feel like a separate little, I think Roscoe Village is cool. It does. I, I, I Not that I think about it morning, noon, and night, but, <laughs> you know, but but I, anytime I'm around there, uh, I we're always we always enjoy ourselves i always yeah. like it feel comfortable yeah uh as far as real estate and and pricing and such is that is it it's very well established yeah is it just sort of um it it's kind of it's mostly leveled off the boom in roscoe village would be um just before and just after the boom the the housing bust i think okay. um i'd have to look at the numbers really but i mean it really sort of started developing its own identity in the early 2000s and and snowballed after that yeah nothing has happened to turn it down mm. but it just hasn't you know gone on fire like the west loop i used to think oh i gotta you know i've got to be as close to the lake as i can those mm. are really the hot neighborhoods this is quite a while ago yeah. now you know people who are shopping by the, by what they spend can go farther and farther west mm. than they did before mm. um, and find great mm. sort of revived neighborhoods mm. where 15, 20 years ago, they wouldn't have found those. They still, these neighborhoods were still sort of waiting to they revive. Were, right. So that has taken some of the pressure off a place like Roscoe Village for good and for bad. It means mm. that prices, if I'm a seller, it means prices haven't gone up as much as they might. Sure. But if I'm a buyer, it means prices haven't gone up as much as they much might. They might yeah. Right. And it's not it's not that anything is coming down necessarily. Right. That yeah. It, it's just sort of leveled off. Yeah. And, it's and nice to see those things, things happen. It's yeah. just you, you notice the West Loops of them. Gotcha. Okay. So Roscoe Village is one of my favorites, and I know you do a lot of work in the village, so I, that's why I picked that particular segment. What's what are your thoughts on how things have been uh, as far as price points in Roscoe and activity and such? Yeah, so uh, it was interesting you picked that because it is one of my favorite neighborhoods in Chicago too. I uh, I agree with him that um, it's a great neighborhood. The values really skyrocketed uh, a few years ago. I actually pulled the data after knowing this clip was going to come. And in the last year, property values have gone up 1.1%, but the year prior was 4%. Wow. The year prior to that was like 7 or 8%. So it, it's kind of what I said at the top of the show. It's It's more kind of a cooling market. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, but uh, I love where it's located. And I say this about neighborhoods and cities all over the state, actually anywhere in the country where you're kind of um, you're tucked in between really booming areas. So, you know, you have Lakeview, Lincoln Park, you have, you know, Logan Square, Wicker Park, Bucktown, all those areas that kind of encompass North Center area that kind of encompass or surround uh, Roscoe Village. So you have a lot of really cool neighborhoods yeah. um, right around there. And they themselves have uh, really cool restaurants, bars, um, parks. So I'm a big fan of Roscoe Village. I think there's a lot of value there in the single family market still. I just had a client of mine buy a, in my opinion, the one home that I think has been uh, uh, almost a steal. Because I tell everybody you're buying fair right now because it's still a seller's market. But it was it was the first uh, deal this year that I think was really a steal for a client. He bought a single family home in Roscoe Village, and I told him I just see the area not only continuing to appreciate safely, but also mm-hmm. having a safe market where I don't think there's going to be a big downturn there. Uh, love Roscoe Village for a million reasons. Excellent, very good. Um, yeah, I just so 
With, yeah, Maggie with just said, Mo, John, I need a two-bed, two-bath in Roscoe. We well, do. You got it. I, I will find one. <laughs> I, I think, in honestly, I, I think you're in an area where you're going to be very value-protected. You can walk to so many things. You're yeah. near the expressways. So if you got to jump on them to either get back to the city or get further north, sure. um, it's really, really easy to do. So I'm, uh, I'm hot on Roscoe Village. The conversations that May, uh, Maggie and I have been having, uh, Roscoe Village continues to come up as far as when we, <laughs> when we decide what we're going to do. That, that's one of the first places we're going to take a look at is Roscoe. Um, with that being said, uh, our friend Tim said that uh, property taxes are very low in Arizona. He's asking us to come to the desert. So can you find us a two-bed-two-bath in AZ? and a too bad to bath in Roscoe Village and help me rob a bank. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what, if we found a nice vacation home in AZ, maybe I'll go have these with you. Oh, I, now uh, we're talking. Uh, first of all, I already hate this fall, winter. Like I'm yeah. looking out, it's, it's turning dark already. It's what, oh, 3.50 yeah. here? Yep. It's bullshit. Um, but yeah, I mean, property taxes are crazy in Arizona. They're crazy low in Florida. Um, they're crazy low in so many places. We yep. just, we're getting murdered on every yeah. which way. I, I bet, and I don't know this, I bet Arizona sales taxes and income taxes are far lower than ours too. I'd be willing to bet, and I know Tim's watching, so he can, if he can throw a message up there and let us know, because uh, he's very uh, He goes lots of banks. Chicago. Oh, he just said lots of banks out here. <laughs> You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait about uh, four to five weeks so I can be your getaway driver. Oh, very good. Um, All right, now. cool. I like it. I like it. But, uh, you know, he, he touched on a couple other areas like West Loop. And uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot of really nice, booming locations in Chicago. I think Old Irving is one of those areas of Chicago right now that's booming like crazy. I almost think way too fast. You know, single-family homes there are starting to get into uh, almost ridiculous values. Really? Uh, similar to Lincoln Park values for, for okay. parts of um, – uh, old Irving, you know, they have big lots. So a standard Chicago lots, 25 by 125. You got yeah. 50 foot, even sometimes wider lots out there. Values are going up there. Obviously, um, on the off market show, we've touched on Pilsen a lot. Pilsen's boomed like crazy. Right. Uh, that area, you know, again, it's got its own little nightlife, just like Roscoe village does great sure. bars, restaurants, uh, breweries coming in. Um, you know, I love the West loop, but West loop's expensive. I mean, it's boomed and it's there. I mean, West Loop prices are, uh, you know, they're almost equal to Lincoln Park in a lot of senses. Uh, yeah. You know, Whitman Park, Bucktown's awesome. Also very, very expensive, but value protected. Uh, Logan Square, there's still some value there. Um, you know, you got Albany Park or Mosa. There's so many cool areas of the city that still are very value protected. Um, you know, he made a mention of areas near the lake having a lot of value back in the day thinking sure. like Lake is big value. Um, I've always said for the last 10 years of being in real estate, I think Uptown is prime for a boom. It mm. hasn't happened in the last decade of me being in real estate. Right. But I just feel like it's uh, very undervalued for how close to the lake it is. I think, you know, um, the aldermans in that area are trying to do a good job of cleaning the area up. Mm. They have an entertainment district that's starting to kind of um, build some traction. But I do think Uptown has some hidden value that in time, it has to go up a little bit. You know, yeah. um, you have Lincoln Park, Lakeview, uh, and then above that Uptown. And it just, the value hasn't caught. So you get some really cool, close to the lake properties for, you know, 50 cents on the dollar compared to Lincoln Park and Lakeview. So let me ask you a real quick follow-up. What, what constitutes Old Irving? What is that? Where's that area at? So it, so... Irving, Old Irving, Albany Park, they start to blend together. But if you got off on Irving, easiest way is like you get off on Irving Park on 94. That okay. whole area right around there is kind of the Irving Park area. Okay. Um, and if you're, you know, in that area, um, it's it's like the, like when people say, you know, Pilsen's spilling over to University Village and other areas, mm. they're starting to call areas that weren't historically Old Irving, Old Irving because they're close to it. Logan right. Square gets that a lot. You know, people call areas Logan Square that's not really Logan Square. It's pretty gotcha. far from the square. Um, but um, the single-family home um, market there is just booming. Builders are building like crazy. Lots are becoming more expensive. And um, one of the things you can do is the city of Chicago, 
every lot has something called a maximum FAR. That's the maximum size home you can build on that lot. Okay. Nowadays, everybody builds the biggest damn home they can on a given <laughs> lot because right. they just maximize the size of the house. Well, when your lot is twice as large as the lot, you know, someplace in Lincoln Park, you can build a pretty monster house on that lot and mm. also get a good amount of backyard space. So you're starting to see a lot of people building out there. Um, I personally think the values are a little bit inflated. I don't say that a lot about areas of uh, uh, Chicago, but if you're starting to spend one and a half to $2 million on a single family home out there, mm, yeah, I don't know if I would do it. You don't think it's going to hold hold the value? I just it might hold the value. I just um, you know in ten years you have a ten year old home that's one and a half to two million dollars in um, in an area that's pretty close to the suburbs. Quite frankly, yeah, you know you can uh, get yourself a nice in town condo for you know four hundred thousand dollars and then go out to the burbs and buy yourself a pretty big ass home for one point two to one point five million dollars and right. have the best of both worlds if that's what you want. That's sure. what I would do with my money if that was me, but. Uh, I have some friends uh, who are building homes out there for big money, and they believe in the neighborhood. So cool. Okay. We also, and and there's no clip to back this up. Uh, we talked a lot about Bronzeville, and I know <laughs> it's it's somewhat adjacent to Pilsen, and I make mention of that in the show. So as far as the episode with Dennis, it was pre-recorded last Tuesday. Knew we were going to be doing this today. So I held off on posting the whole uh, episode, but I'm going to do that tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, it'll be on our YouTube page. So please go to AE Wheelhouse and subscribe to our YouTube page. It's got all of our episodes, a lot of segments. Um, but I'm going to put out the full the full episode, like I said, tonight or tomorrow. He really did. We touched on a lot of, a lot of different areas and subjects and such. And when you made mention as far as perhaps having him back, uh, another subject that you and I have talked about is the upcoming election, 2020. And he made mention of that pretty much right off the bat. And so I put in a reservation and said, hey, listen, I would like to have you come back right after the election, see who wins, what side of the aisle, uh, and then we can talk about the real estate market looking forward and, and what it, hopefully it'll be uh, – in studio with you and he, so you guys can kind of go back and forth and see where you might differ and see where you might uh, agree. Yeah. Did he have any, um, any take on what he thinks is going to happen next year with the election? Well, that's, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't want to get into that, but he did say uh, sort of similar to what you're, you know, there's right now it's just a weird time as far as what to do with real estate, whether it's single, your uh, main residence if you're considering selling, but you're not 100% sure, also as far as investment properties, it's, it's just a weird time right now because nobody knows uh, how the election is going to go. There's a long time between now and November and uh, next November. And, uh, you know, there's going to be two radically different points of view uh, running in the election. And as far as how to tax people and how to raise money and you know, medical insurance and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very interesting time right now, as you've mentioned also when it comes to real estate and investments in general. Yeah. I think, um, if anybody thinks they know exactly what's going to happen next year, they're just taking a guess. Yeah. Um, you know, next year is going to be one of the funkiest elections we've probably ever had, yep. at least in our lifetime. Um, so I will be curious to see what happens. I'm telling everybody, you know, if you're buying an investment for the next 20, 30 years, totally fine. Do that, even in the next 10, 15 years. But if you're doing something that's the next two, three years right now, think about it a little bit. You know, if you're trying to sell something, I spoke to a client this morning. I said, you know, we're having a little bit of difficulty selling your place. Let's put it up for rent. You know, I, w I wouldn't be paying for uh, renting your place out for the next year or so and seeing how things work out. Mm -hmm. They're net positive cash flow on their spot. So I think. That might make some sense for them. You know, if you're looking to flip something and you're going to buy something now to flip for next year, hmm. yeah. I don't know. That might not be something I would get involved in personally right now. Right. Um, just because you don't know where things are going to go. Rates are so low right now. So if you're buying a home that you plan on being in for a long time, you know, next seven or so years, right now is a fantastic time to buy. 
sure. you know, I'm refinancing my house. Shout out to Matt Rosen. Got me a 3.375 rate. That's a rock star rate. That's so freaking low that I'd be a fool not to do it right now. But I know I'm, I'm okay in my home for the next seven to 10 years. Right. Um, but if you're looking to flip something in the next year or two, I agree with him. It, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year at the election. And then people have, um, people act on paranoia a lot. You know, whatever happens next year, whichever side wins, we will be okay. You know, um, wh- whichever side of the political spectrum you sit on, everybody was like, oh my God, when Trump wins, the uh, economy's oh, going to collapse. D- didn't happen. No. Um, you know, and then you had the people who are saying, oh my God, it's going to be the greatest time of the la- you know, last hundred years. No, that didn't happen either. We were fine. Um, you just want to hope that whoever your president does become, you, you root for him to do well and land the plane. You know, I always say, so whichever side of the political spectrum you fall on, and I'm pretty much in the middle, um, to, to hope that somebody fails is like to say you're hoping your captain who's flying your airplane crashes the plane. It's kind of a silly mindset to have because you live in the damn place that this person's trying to lead. So w- whatever side you sit on, you can be upset about policies and stuff, but you hope that they land the plane. Next year, um, no matter what happens, whichever side this uh, ends up being victorious, um, know that we'll be okay. You know, people will get paranoid next year leading up to it. They'll make rash decisions, sell, don't sell, do this, don't that in a panic. I'm, I'm against panicking on a big life decision like that because yeah. everything, even in the crash of the real estate market, it was four years. And if you didn't sell in those four years and you came out of it, um, in 13, it boomed. I owned a condo that I bought in 06, maybe the worst year ever to buy one. If I tried to sell my condo in 2009, 10, 11, or 12, I was in really bad shape. So long as you don't buy above your means and you can make that payment, you don't end up in foreclosure, just don't sell. You know, but don't panic either. So I would tell people don't, don't buy into a panic paranoia next year either. But it'll be interesting. I think given how the election is going to go, um, and we've had chats about this, I think people will be panicked. People will be heated. People will make stupid, rash decisions based on what's going on. Sure. And I would advise people not to do that with the most uh, uh, expensive asset that you have. <laughs> correct. 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 All right. Well, sir, it's been. Uh, it's yeah, been we a made fun it an show. hour. Yeah. yeah, we did, actually. Yeah. Um, so with the holidays coming up. We're going to be off a few different Wednesdays because actually Christmas is on a Wednesday. New Year's Day is on a Wednesday. And, uh, you know, trying to do a show the day before Thanksgiving is kind of tough because, you know, you're busy, I'm busy. And trying to have somebody take time out of their life to come in and be a guest, let alone two or three people. Uh, So we're going to forego that. But uh, what we've decided to do is next week it's going to be a – it's going to be a busy, busy Wednesday here in the Wheelhouse Studio because we're going to do two shows uh, next Wednesday, both live. I'm going to put up graphic number one and announce next week's early guest. We have Larry Potash. He is the uh, Channel 9, WGN, Channel 9, uh, morning news anchor. Really nice guy. Very smart. Uh great sense of humor, wit, and uh, really looking forward to having him come in the studio, hang out with us for an hour or so, and just talk about his backstory, uh, how he got into journalism, and how he landed next to Robin uh, at the News 9 desk for as long as he's been there. We had Paul Conrad about a year ago, I think it was now. Uh, They get along great. They're good friends. And uh, I'm just looking forward to having Larry come in. He also produces a show called Backstory. Uh, just started, I think, six six episodes ago. And uh, he picks different points in history and, and kind of gets into details that maybe didn't make uh, the mainstream story and really gives back backstories on things that you think you already know about. Really, really cool. Nice guy. Very smart. It's going to be a great show. I'm excited about that. We got a famous guy on. I know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really, really fun. He's a, he's a really funny guy. Uh, yep. And then at 3 o'clock, oh, special start time. Larry's going to be here. He Naturally, he gets up at like 3 in the morning, uh, so he can do his early morning show. 
And he gets done, I believe, at 10. So we're going to do the early show at 11 a.m. So 11 a.m. with Larry Potash uh, next Wednesday. And then at 3 o'clock, our normal start time, we have Mary Cousin. She is the founder of ShyTag. What that stands for is the Chicago Toy and Game Expo. I found out about this, and I can't wait to go. It's on Navy Pier. Uh, it's been going on for years now. I never knew about this. And basically what it is, inventors of games, board games, and toys from all over the world come in to pitch their games and show off to uh, Hasbro and that. But also, uh, over the weekend, she opens up Navy Pier to the public, and you can go in and play all kinds of new games and meet the inventors. She named off a few different people that are there, Cards Against Humanity. Uh, The inventor of of Cards Against Humanity will be there. there's, I, I can go on and on, but that's the one that jumps out at me. So she's going to be here talking about some of the games that are going to be hitting the market uh, in the years to come. And also about the show itself and how she got into that. It's really fascinating. So that is going to be our normal show at 3 o'clock. So we've got a full day of Wheelhouse next Wednesday. Yeah, cool. It's uh, going to be Mill and John in studio for a long time. I think we have... Uh... The off-market show after that, so perhaps we do. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a we're gonna have a lot day. of filming, but that's gonna be cool. I'm excited to chat with Larry. Uh, Paul was obviously one of uh, the most fun guests we had on yeah. uh, on Wheelhouse in the last year and a half. And yep. uh, Larry's a funny guy. Uh, Tim mentioned Larry so funny. He said he was the barber who cut Paul's hair with the flow beyond air. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Cool to ask him about <laughs> that. And then obviously, um, yeah, I'm I'm psyched to talk about gaming and games yeah. and. Uh, uh, Mary's for, those that don't, for those that don't know Cards Against Humanity, yeah. um, it has blown up to a point that's uh, uh, insane. They, had, yeah. they actually made a very crazy political statement, uh, uh, anti-wall. They bought a piece of land um, and basically said, okay, you're going to have to take us to court to be able to build the wall, and we have a shit ton of money, so good luck. Really? Uh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah kind of crazy if you Google that. Okay. Uh, the uh, owners of Cards Against Humanity um, basically <laughs> uh, took this really fun game, which I love, and right. uh, blew it up, and they're almost billionaires, I think, at this point. But, uh, yeah, that'll be cool as well. Yeah, very, very fun. Uh, so that, unless you have more to add, I believe that no, is gonna... – uh, you, you did great. You, you got through the, the whole – the whole show without uh, crying once. <laughs> 30, 30 minutes, 40 minutes overdue for my ice session. So I'm oh, going really? straight to my, yeah, my couch. Fidget a little. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, it gets really tight. So yeah. I have basically four holes in here and a bunch of stitches. Gotcha. And uh, it just gets really, really tight. Um, and like I said, today's the first day off painkiller. So I'm feeling it. But like I said, at the top of the show, uh, no sense in crying about pain. It is what it is. It is what it is. All right, so uh, with that being all said, we will see everybody next week at 11 a.m. And then again at 3P uh, here in the Wheelhouse Studio uh, for Mr. Modaka and I. We are going to sign out until next week. Hope everybody has a uh, great evening, great weekend, and we'll see you next Wednesday. See you guys. In three, two, one.